Jeremiah 33, 3 reads, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you know not. The wording of this verse, call to me, talks to us about the spirit of prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest things that God has given to his people. Something, unfortunately, that God's people, unfortunately, sometimes don't engage much in. It's an invitation God is making. Call to me. God says, I want you to be a praying people, a prayerful people. A people who walk in the spirit of prayer, and I'm so glad, Barcelona, in these few days, the spirit of prayer is starting to permeate us. Because, you see, we need people to spontaneously respond to God and not to be a people who have to be made to do things. Of course, when we teach, when we instruct, we do say to people, do this. But after a while, people must learn the how-tos. People must learn how to yield to the Spirit. People must learn how to respond to the Holy Spirit. People must learn how to pray in diverse kinds of tongues. People must learn how to spontaneously worship in the Spirit, raise their hands. People must learn to do that. And God said, I want the people who are walking in a spirit of prayer. Why? Because prayer is the only thing that pierces the darkness. Prayer is the only thing that pierces the negative circumstances. Prayer is the only thing that lifts us out of the mud so that we can proceed in the spirit of faith. Prayer binds the forces of darkness so that the gospel can succeed and can be spread. Prayer cleans the atmosphere in the church so that as the word is being preached, it can lodge in the hearts of the people. So that that word can grow, that word can germinate. Prayer is the divine enablement that will take the individuals to a different level. It will take a church to a different level. It will take a nation to a different level. It will take a family to a different level. And so God says, call. Call unto me. Call unto me. And what is the promise? He says, I'll answer you. I'll answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. So God says, don't pray small prayers. Pray mighty prayers. <clears throat> don't shortchange yourself when it comes to prayer. Go for the maximum. Aim for the sky. Go high. Make big asks. Make bold requests. 
Don't hold back. God says, call unto me. Call to me is the word for prayer. And that word for prayer throughout the Bible with the many definitions of prayer, the majority of definitions, when they talk about prayer throughout the Bible, it's equivalent to the word shout or cry or call. Very interesting that the New Testament itself uses the words to describe prayer, following words, striving for something. So when we are in prayer, we are striving for something. It uses the word laboring. The way Jesus labored in the garden of Gethsemane. Labored so hard until his sweat became like drops of blood. This is not a half-hearted thing. This is not something just to pray over the food or to tick the box. This is something that involves us. Our all in it. We immerse ourselves in it. We get lost in it. We get soaked in it. We totally disappear in it. It is that level of praying. So it's the word striving, laboring, but also fervent prayer. This is when your heart is on fire. And we read about people praying like that. For instance, in Colossians 4 verse 12, we read about a guy by the name of Epaphras. He's praying for the believers in Colossae. God give us pastors who will pray like this for their members. God give us bishops who know how to pray. Give us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers who know how to pray. God give us department heads who know how to pray. Give us elders, deacons, musicians who know how to pray. God give us intercessors who are not in the de- intercession department as a department. Mother, they are prayer warriors. Epaphras says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you. Always laboring fervently for you in prayer. That's when you know prayer. Laboring fervently. It should be so strong and so powerful that no demonic force can stand to linger around. Should be like that. Should be like that. Says he's laboring fervently for you in prayer. And what is his prayer item? That you may stand perfect and complete 
in all the will of God. Those of us who are pastors of churches, that's how we pray for church members. That's the subject matter. And your labor. Your labor. I learned to do this way back in 1982 when I was at Bible school and I learned and Kenneth Hagin was teaching 1981-1982. I started learning. Then I wasn't a pastor, but I prayed for people that I had followed up. Some of you, you've got family members that you invite here. They get saved. But after they get saved, you stop praying for them. And when they backslide, why mark out? In fact, this year, one of the things that I'm going to introduce in the church is that everybody who is heading up anything plays the role of a shepherd over the people that they are heading up. In praying for them, following them up, knowing what's going on. So if you are heading up anything, I'm expecting you to operate at another level. And if you can't handle it, who will do that? Yeah. By the grace of God, and I'm not saying it to boast, I've learned to pray this prayer for you. For you, the whole church. Grace Bible Church, Kaufelayon. I pray these prayers for my family, individually. There are specific prayers I pray for them, each one of them, before God. Laboring. Fervently. Oh, yeah. Fervently. Then we have effectual prayer. This one is the one that is directed for the intent of answering. It is an effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. In other words, the way it's structured, it talks about the righteous man being in agony. And remember, this verse, when James wrote it, he was making a reference to Elijah. Elijah, when he prayed for the rain, if you go back and study what happened and watch how Elijah prayed and the posture he assumed when he prayed, you can see it was a posture of women who took that posture and assumed that posture when they were in childbirth. Natural childbirth is a painful experience. There's agony. There's pain. But it is the agony and the pain that brings new life. And it's amazing that after the mother has the child in their arms, what they have in their arms is so precious and beautiful that somehow they, they forget a little bit about the agony and the pain. That they will have a second child and a third child and a fourth child. Spite of the agony. When we agonize in prayer to get the church to grow, when we agonize in prayer that the church should not divide, when we agonize in prayer that false teaching must not penetrate the church, when we agonize in prayer that people should come back to church after lockdown, it's a pain and an agony. In prayer, on your knees, in your secret place, with God. God says, call. 
call. Call. It's a striving. It's a laboring. It's fervency. It's effectual. All these words speak of intensity, depth of soul, depth of the spirit. As you lift up your voice, and you don't just pray in a whisper, you lift up your voice like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. When he came to the garden, he went a little further, the Bible says, and he fell on his face and he cried out. God moved the church to that level of praying where we can cry over our nation and cry over some of our leaders who have lost direction. When we can cry over the things that are happening in our land and it breaks our hearts. And we don't do it as a show. We don't do it as a facade. It's a cry that emanates from a heart that is burdened, a heart that is calling, a heart that is responding, a heart that says, here I am, God, I've heard you. You've put out the challenge, call. I'm calling. In Luke 18, Jesus demonstrates this in teaching the parable of the widow woman who came to this unjust judge. But this woman is asking the judge, or as you say in court, she's praying. And we see this woman in her asking, in spite of the attitude, the stinking attitude of the judge. This woman is not going to walk away. She's not quiet. She's not timid. She kept striving. She kept laboring. She was fervent. And Jesus uses this parable. And he briefs at the end to say, I'm trying to show you how you need to have this never give up attitude when it comes to prayer. Jesus says, I'm teaching you. You need to have persistence. And he says it is persistence. That is the key to your prayers being answered. And so you go back to James 5, 17, when it talks about the effectual prayer. That word effectual, some translations say the earnest prayer. The word earnest means eager, sincere, serious. When we pray, we're not playing around. When we pray, we're not joking around. We are serious. And it's not a show because our hearts are sincere. And we are eager. This word fervent is exactly what Paul referred to in Philippians 4, 6. When he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is the word for prayer that you find all over the Bible. Oftentimes when we pray, we pray the prayer of supplication. Supplication is a definite request. 
supplication is the word deisis, D-E-I-S-I-S. And it is the same word as well that is translated fervent. That word deisis depicts a person who has some type of lack in their life. And therefore, they plead strongly for this lack to be met. There's passion. There's intensity. There's pleading. This word deisis is translated several ways in the King James Bible, including the word beseech, to beg, to appeal earnestly. This word pictures a person in such great need that they feel compelled to push their pride out of the way so that they can boldly, earnestly, strongly, and passionately cry out for someone to help them and assist them. God says, call. Call. I put my pride aside. I don't care about my position. I'm desperate. That word there says in James 5 speaks of passionate, earnest, heartfelt. In other words, when we come to God, we must come to God on serious terms. We must come to God strongly beseeching Him to move and to meet a specific need that we are facing in our lives. That's why many prayers go unanswered. The people are not serious. The people don't persevere. The people are half-hearted. They don't have their attention. We come to prayer meetings, that's why they don't bear any fruit. But this word there says, this calling, it's a continual persevering prayer. Birth from a deep hunger, a deep hunger and a deep drive to get your need met, like we see Hannah in First Samuel chapter 1. A woman so desperate because she's been mocked by her peers for not having a child. She has suffered mockery, betrayal, embarrassment. She could sit there and feel sorry for herself. But I love this woman. She says they have pushed me so hard. And I want to see my situation change. I am going to go to the house of the Lord. Unfortunately, at this time, the priest Eli was backslidden. He was a man of God who had lost the spirit of prayer. He was a man who was leading from autopilot. He's doing the work, but he doesn't have the spirit of the work. He's leading, but the anointing is no longer on his life. He no longer knows what it is to pray like this. As a result, when Hannah begins to pray like this, and she starts to get into this earnest prayer, and she starts calling earnestly, passionately, striving, laboring, praying, praying, continually, nonstop. 
The prophet comes in, sees this woman whose heart is so burdened, so overloaded that words are no longer coming out of her mouth. It's a heart speaking. You can be so burdened that your heart speaks and nothing comes out your mouth. But your heart is intensely in connection with God. The backslidden prophet comes and says, what a shame, you woman. What a shame. For you to come in the house of the Lord in this drunken stupor of yours. I love her answer. She says, no, my Lord. I am not drunk. I am a woman of a bitter spirit. I am a woman who's desperate and I'm here and I'm not going home until God gives me what I'm asking for. God give us people who will stay long enough on a prayer item. Who will pray long enough for their church, for their family, for their children, for their situation, for their city, for their land, for their country. Who will pray long enough. God give us men and women who walk by faith and not by sight. Give us men and women who are so determined to see things turn around. That even when people say you are drunk, we are shanya wena. They will stand up and say, I am a man and a woman who wants to see change. I'm calling. I'm calling. I'm calling. I'm calling. I have intensity. I have fire. I have perseverance. I am striving. I am laboring. Fervently. And I'm not living until things change. Bazalon, you only get this attitude when you are up to here. You see, for as long as you accommodate as in Yizinto, for as long as you are happy with some of the things and you, you are okay to jump into them now and then, you will never pray like that. This prayer is generated by a person who is up to here. And they say, this is enough. I'm not backing up anymore. I made those decisions last year on certain things, particularly about running the church. I said, when it comes to this, I'm not backing up anymore. No. I am not. I'm not. That's why even when it came to us having church, people coming, and I said, we'll do our best to obey. We'll obey the laws. We'll do that. But I'm going to push things to the maximum. I'll do everything in my power to obey. But I'm not backing up anymore. Wow. This kind of praying, interestingly, Is when you get to a certain point of seriousness, the Holy Spirit gets on top of you. And he starts prompting you and initiating it. It is praying with intensity, tenacity, persistence. And God says, call unto me. Know what he says? He says, I'll answer you and I will show you great and mighty things.
I, I want to end up at this showing business. He says, he says, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things. Listen to this. There are many wondrous and marvelous things about your life and your future that God wants to show you. I thought you'd be so happy you'd be standing on the chairs, some of you. Look at your neighbor who's sleeping and say, you, you are sleeping at the wrong time. This is the most powerful, this is the most powerful revelation ever. I know you're listening, Bazalan. I know you're not sleeping. I know you're listening. Can I say it again? Yes. There are many wondrous and marvelous things about your life and your future that God wants to show you. Yeah, that, that, that's how you respond to that. That's how you respond to that. But, but, uh, let me teach you something. I'm teaching you for the 10th time or for the 11th time. I don't remember. It takes a prophet to release the reality of things in somebody's life. That's why even in the Bible, before things happen, God sent the prophet. Now, a prophet is not necessarily someone who stands in the office of a prophet, even if sometimes I stand a little bit in it. But it's somebody who speaks under divine inspiration. There are many times when I speak, it's prophetic. And some of you, And when the prophetic word comes forth and the prophet speaks, you must shout hallelujah and receive that word and say, it is mine, I receive it. Somebody say, I receive it. Let me read it again. There are many wondrous and marvelous things about your life and your future that God wants to show you. Oh, come on, somebody, receive it in Jesus' name. Listen to this. The reality, however, is that you could never figure out your future. You could never figure out these things on your own. You could never know the mysteries by your own human wisdom or intelligence because God is a God who works in a mysterious way. And so he says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, remember historically where Jeremiah is. The children of Israel at that time had just come out of Babylonian captivity. They had been rather, they had rather been invaded. And they had been besieged. And Jeremiah himself, even though he was back in Judah, he was caught up in a courtyard and limited there. And it is in this context where you are in the valley of Achor, where everything you see with your eyes is not encouraging. And God says, Bona, 
You are operating under the clouds. <laughs> There's something on the other side of this cloudy weather. But the only way to access that is for you to call. Pray. Call upon me. And I'll show you. Great and mighty things. So the only key, therefore, that will unlock access to the wondrous and marvelous things about your future is prayer. Yeah. Yeah. You need to engage in intense prayer. Intentional prayer. Faith prayer. Lifting up your voice. Believing that as you pray with intensity and persistence, it's God's will. And through that, God is going to open up the wondrous things about your future. And that is why I'm saying, when you pray this way, you are stepping into the dimension of praying mighty prayers. Jeremiah 33, Bazalwana is closely followed by Jeremiah 32. If you go back to chapter 33, you'll read there, as I mentioned, how the people of God were besieged. And Jeremiah the prophet was still confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace. You see that in chapter 32, verse 1 and 2. And interesting, God visits Jeremiah in this condition. And the way God introduces himself, you can tell that God has an agenda. <laughs> when he visits Jeremiah and identifies himself, he does two things. He stresses to Jeremiah two things. His power and his character. First, in verse 17, he says to Jeremiah, I made the earth. That's the power. Everything you see, I made. This earth was made by me. And then, in verse 18, he refers to himself as the Lord. And it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. The name Yahweh is God's name that emphasizes his covenant-keeping faithfulness. And so he says, I'm a covenant-making, covenant-keeping, faithful God who will never turn on his word. And he says, because I'm a covenant-making, a covenant-keeping God, I've got so many things for you in future that you don't know anything about. What you know is the courtyard where you are limited. What you know is how your people have been besieged. But I've got so many other things concerning your future. And the only way to know Jeremiah is to call. Yeah. 
If you don't pray, if you don't come into a prayer time, if you don't come into prayer, Jeremiah, the mistress will pass you. You will never ever be in that place. You will miss your miracle. You will miss your open door. You will miss everything I'm trying to do. I'm trying to set up things. You will go past the door that I've opened because your eyes have been blinded. You will go past the opportunity I've opened. You will call what I'm doing the devil and you will call what I'm not doing God. Jeremiah, I'm not going to try and come up with anything that is spectacular. All I want you is to get into the discipline of calling. Keep calling, keep praying. Make it a discipline. If you keep calling, if you keep praying, I will make sure I open to you, I reveal to you, I show to you your future. Somebody shout hallelujah in the house. God promises to answer Jeremiah. By revealing great and mighty things. One translation says, great and unsearchable things. Therefore, prayer opens the door for us to experience the great and mighty things of God. Prayer opens the door for us into the mysteries of God, into the hidden things of God. That word mighty is also translated unsearchable. But what it means is that it is something that is made inaccessible by fortifying it or by enclosing it. These things cannot be accessed. You can't go there in your own strength, in your own power. They are totally locked totally inaccessible these mighty things are also called incredible things hard for man's understanding that term was used to describe the heavily fortified cities as we see in numbers 13 and deuteronomy 3 watch this god's plans therefore for the future are inaccessible to ordinary people, carnal people, non-praying people. That's why some of you, your life is going in a circle because you're a prayerless person. And if you pray, you have no intensity. And if you, if you pray, you also don't sustain it. Only God can unlock the secrets of the future. As we see, he offered this knowledge to Jeremiah. And when you read further, he would share this knowledge and these things with the prophet who didn't know and understand Israel's future, but God helped him to understand. Let me close. Luke chapter 2 is one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. Because in it, we find two, men, two people. Simeon and Anna. 
Two people who knew what it is to call. Let me read it for you. Luke chapter 2 verse 25 and I'm reading the NIV Bible. It says there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now note verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now can dismiss your servant to go in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the people. Watch. Simeon is ahead of things. He says, a light to, for a revelation to the Gentiles. He already knew that Jesus didn't come just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. When the early church didn't know that. And for the glory of your people, Israel. It says, and the child's father and mother marveled at what was said. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. <laughs> and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Talking about Jesus dying on the cross and Mary feeling the pain. An old man who had a habit of going to the temple, praying, praying, praying. It is in the regular and the mundane. It is in the everyday disciplines. When he learned to be disciplined, that God said, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him the future. Imagine Bazalan. Here he is attending a church service with other people. Mary and Joseph come in with the child. Nobody knows who the child is. Nobody knows what they're going to do. And remember, Jesus on that day was not the only child who was brought. I'm talking about hidden things, mysteries. See, when you engage in this kind of prayer, there are certain things when you look at them, you see something that others don't see. You hear something that others don't hear. And your response to what you are seeing is different to other people's response because other people's response is based on the carnal and the worldly. But Dunkulunkuluena is showing. He's revealing. Yeah. So imagine everybody, when Jesus comes in, when he's brought to the front, everybody just sees an ordinary child, ordinary parents, worst of all who are poor.
This man who does the calling, God has shown him. And the Bible says, I love that statement. He came to the temple by the Spirit. Let me unpack it for you. He used to go to the temple regularly, but for some reason, he's not going to the temple. What you have been praying for for many years is about to arrive. Oh, that's a... oh. When you live this kind of life, there are people who will not understand your decisions. They will not understand your priorities. He realized that opportunity has come. And because opportunity has come, it determines my priorities. It determines what I do. It determines the pace of ministry. He stood up at home. He went to the temple at that time. And when he got into the temple, the parents come. And when he sees the child, God says, that's the one. And he goes and picks up the child and says something that only the parents knew. And he even goes further than what they knew. Why? Because he called and God showed. Ah, somebody give the Lord a backhand. Oh, I see you walking in that anointing in the name of Jesus. You see, you are not receiving. I said, I see you walking in that anointing. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asia. She was very old. She has lived with her husband seven years after marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple. Now let's calculate. She's 84 years. Right? She lived with her husband for seven years. Let's do a simple math- mathematics, okay? Just help me, okay? She's 84, okay? Remember, I need you all to give me the answers. In these days, Jewish maidens used to marry at the age of 12, 14. If you got married at 18, they said, you're old. That was the practice. Now, hang on now. For argument's sake, let's assume she got married at the age of 20, which is still young, quite young. And she had lived with her husband for seven years. So at 27, the husband passed. Now she's 84 years old. She's been coming to the temple. She's 84. So give me quick mathematics. Yeah, it's a calculator. I like the way you are calculating. 84 minus 27. I like that you are not using a calculator. I like that. How many? 
50? 57. This woman has been calling. <laughs> this woman has been calling for 57 years. Not stopping. And because she's calling, God says, I'm going to show you. Verse 37, it is she never left the temple, but worshiped God night and day, praying and calling, fasting. Verse 38, coming up to them at that moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward for the redemption of Jerusalem. Your future is held captive by your prayerlessness. Because when you call, you will bump into what I call divine coincidences. God will make sure he shows you Listen to what Paul says. I has not seen. Yeah. Ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man. The things, plural, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Your future is held hostage by your prayerlessness. So as we come here day in and day out, pray. I'm not wasting time. I see you bumping into the future. I see divine coincidences in your life. You see, you are not receiving. I said, I see God do things in your life. I see your life change from this week in the name of Jesus. Because you've responded to the challenge when God says, Call. Call upon me, and I will show great things. Will you stand, please? Raise your hands to God and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right where you stand right now. I want you to thank God for his word tonight. Thank him for his word tonight. Thank him for his word tonight. Thank him for his word tonight. 
Thank him for his word tonight. Pray with intensity. Pray with passion. Semanona namahale. Mangeri monamlo deskeskas. Shmramon mali hisi vrifin manali deske deyo. Paramonemisikele Prefer be debra balaman inchilil, shapara mani men, bramale maninga, bramale manimba, mamaline monaba. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon your life. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon your life. God, let me not miss the door. Let me not miss the opportunity. Let me not miss the opportune time. Show me, O oh God. Show me, O oh God. Mamalia dosetef. Manga bokete siato. Mariano le menimbra manokata. Mamalia to frefer badea bode. Mamalia to le pefefefa. Frefer batapare masika non ne mama. Maile ketresia mochepole bae. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Will you lift up your hands to the Lord tonight? Can you stand on your feet, please? Will you lift up your hands to the Lord tonight? I want to speak a word over your lives. Actually, pray a prayer over you. Lord, I pray that the spirit of wisdom, a revelation, the spirit of knowing, insight, understanding, discernment, and the wisdom of God. May it rest upon these, your children, in the name of Jesus. As they call upon you, I pray that they will not miss the door. I pray that they will not walk past the opportunity. I pray that they will not miss the miraculous. I pray for a divine impartation upon them now that will be sustained by their continued prayer, their intense prayer, as they labor abundantly in prayer. I release it now in Jesus' name. Somebody say, I receive it. Say, I receive it. Hallelujah. Think about it, Bazalan. Think about how different this is in the temple. Anna there, Simeon there. When others saw an ordinary baby, They saw the Savior of the world. 
Because God's miraculous things are often wrapped up and packaged in the ordinary. And it takes God showing you to see that even if this is ordinary, hidden in the ordinary is the supernatural. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I ask for all the time. Even during this time of leading, all the decisions I'm making, I just say to God, God, I ask you. I'm glad we decided to have the prayer week. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. There were no bells and whistles. It was just an ordinary thought. Just a suggestion. How much your future is locked up in small suggestions. But that are God's suggestions. We've learned this. My bishop will tell you. I've learned in meetings when we sit. Now it will be with our bishop's council. Even in our manco meetings. There's times as we sit and just talk. There's just a moment when someone says something. And all of a sudden I can tell. This is God. Amen. Even if they didn't say God said to me, but now they were just suggesting. But just that one thing they said, I, I heard. But it, it takes God's quickening Amen. to hear above the normal and the natural. Because, you see, the, 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 the things of God, they don't come loud and obvious. God works in a mysterious way. I think I want to talk more about that tomorrow. The mysteries of God. You know, you know God works in a mystery. And that's why it's very difficult to understand how God works. And if you're not tuned to the mysterious wavelength, and you're not in the dimension of the mysterious, you won't see. You, you, will, you will overlook what God's doing. When, when Elijah came to Elisha and just threw his mantle on him, the guy was working. I mean, who would think a guy who's a farmer who's working in the farm would be, would carry the mantle of a prophet when there were thousands of the schools of prophets those days? Why didn't Elijah go to those schools? And he goes to a guy who has not even been to a school, who's in the farm. How does that happen? You've got to learn that. And we must have the humility, Bazalam. To say, you know what, God? I'm not as clever as I think. But what I'll do, God, I'll keep on calling. And you will show me. Yeah? I say this for you in your company, some of you who are leading companies. Those of you who are running schools. Creatures, those of you who are starting businesses, those of you who want to go to enterprising, you young people, our children, all of you, pastors, leaders, 
executives in companies, political leaders, business people, people in health, in the teaching profession, people in the arts industry. All of you, I'm saying, you can tap into this. You can tap into this. You can tap into this. There are many things that when they were done, people said, no, we were just doing it. We thought it would just be for one week. But Kimona, it has gone on for two years. And it's been the greatest thing ever. Why? When they did it, it was for a week. They didn't know that hidden in the everyday Monday is the miraculous. May God be gracious to you. I said, may God be gracious to you. I said, may God be gracious to you. May God be gracious to you. These kind of things are not things that happen by popular opinion. They don't go with the popular vote. It's not the usual broad road. They come on the narrow road. But the narrow road of God's leading, of God's guidance. I bless you tonight in Jesus' name. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation be your portion. Father, we thank you tonight for revealing such deep truths to us. We love you, Lord. We thank you that the candlestick is still in the house. You haven't removed it from us. That revelation still flows from the throne of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Give the Lord the biggest hand you can ever give it. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph.